Uh, my notes are online at victorychurchraleigh.com. Today's notes, you'll see it very easily. You can access it with your phone or your iPad or whatever. So, uh, And uh, I don't usually get to all my notes, but they're there for you. And I encourage you to, uh, to go back. Now, I'm, do, I'm teaching a series, and the Lord's allowing me to finally, thank God, finish this series. I actually have two more lessons, but I'm going to ditch it right here. We're going to stop here and may do those later. But nonetheless, um, this is lesson number 12, Healing Belongs to You in Christ. And so I've been talking about that. The past lessons are online. We have audio. We have video. The notes are there. Uh, you can also go to MitchHorton.com. I have a personal website. It's my blog. I write a blog Monday through Friday. I also have a podcast Tuesdays and Thursdays. And just, just want to minister the Word. Listen, if God gives you a gift, you better use it. Because when you stand before Jesus, He's going to ask you what you did with it. Yes or no? Well, I'm going to use that thing, boy. I mean, He's called me. and I, Lord, help me. So anyway, that's available. You can access our messages there as well, all of the series and such. But uh, the Lord really put on my heart talking about healing because we just had a nuts 17 months. Would you agree this COVID thing's nuts? People are f- full of fear, uh, staying at home, just afraid of what's going to happen. And, and that's, it's, it's all over the place. It's nothing but fear. I have never lived in fear all my life. So hence, we're, we're combating the fear by just preaching some faith on healing. Is that okay? And so we've been talking about that. This is lesson number 12. Um, uh, years ago, uh, I heard uh, Kenneth Hagin say this, Smith Wigglesworth said this, who was an English evangelist who died in the late 40s. And then Lester Summerall, I would hear him say this as I heard him in person as a young man, as a young believer in the 70s and 80s. He would say, feed your faith and starve your doubts. All three of them said it. Feed your faith. Everybody say, feed your faith. Starve your doubts. So how are you doing with that? That's a great calm right there. How you doing with that? Are you feeding your faith? Or are you feeding your doubts? Now, I'm going to tell you, the Lord challenged me, uh, boy, shoot, a couple of weeks ago. You know, I listened to all kinds. I'm in the Word first thing in the morning. I'm in the Word all day, studying, preparing, da-da-da, doing all this stuff I do. But I was out, I think I was taking a walk. I walk and I ride my bike. I just rode my bike 20 miles yesterday. I usually walk. If I'm not doing that, walk a couple of miles. So I was out walking one day, and, uh, and the Lord... Uh, uh, he just challenged me, said, and I was, and I was listening. I listened to all kinds of stuff. I've got podcasts I listen to and news things I listen to, and I, I have earbuds in my ear, you know. And so I'm walking along, tooling along, or riding my bike, and I'm listening to something, usually, or praying. And uh, so I was minding my own business. The Lord said, how much of that are you listening to? And I was listening to a podcast about uh, your current events and such. And uh, how much you listen to that? I said, well, I listen to it a pretty good bit. And he, I heard him, I sensed him on the inside. Well, I want you to stop doing that so much. And he said, I, I, I want you to start listening to the Word. The Word meaning teaching, preaching. And then I have ways to just listen to the Bible. You hear what I'm saying? So, and so yesterday I had 20 miles. It took me, you know, about an hour uh, to uh, go 20 miles on my bike. And, you know, I just got a, a good, man, I got, I got so blessed I wanted to go another 20 miles. Just listening to the Word. Just listening. Oh, my goodness. If you will feed your faith, your doubts don't have a chance. But today, if you don't feed your faith, you're going to struggle. How many hear me? So whatever you're listening to is what you're feeding. If you're listening to only current events, it ain't pretty. It doesn't look good. People are aggravated. Or you can listen to the Word. And it'll build your faith. How many hear me? 
Having said that, I do mention some current events things because I need to just to keep us on the straight and narrow. But by and large, keep yourself in the Word. So that's the reason I'm talking about this. We're talking about uh, healing belongs to you in Christ again. Let me rehash real quickly. I took six six lessons and just from the Scripture show that it is the will of God that you be healed of sickness and disease. So we made that very clear. Six lessons. Uh, You can't miss it. Something different every single lesson. And then we took three lessons and we talked about how to receive. You receive anything from God, you have to receive it by faith. Faith is God's Wi-Fi system and it, it interacts with heaven and downloads into you what you need. How many hear me? So that's an illustration, but nonetheless, faith. It takes faith to receive from God. If you had hands laid on you for healing this morning, believe that you receive. Jesus said, whatever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive, you'll have. Uh, Susan was had something wrong with her foot. And, you know, she told me, Mitch, I can hardly walk. I just got up and it was weird. Well, she did just what we've been talking about. She prayed and asked God to heal her, her ankle. And she believed she received. We were eating lunch yesterday. She said, things, you know, I'm okay. Did you tell me that? Isn't that awesome? Isn't God good? So, uh, you know, it just works. So we took three lessons, talked about faith. Now we've had two lessons. Now we're talking about healing hindrances. Everybody say healing hindrances. Something can be available to you, but you don't have access to it. And so there's a hindrance. So we're talking about some hindrances to healing. And uh, uh, there are four major categories of hindrances that I'm mentioning here. And today will be the last Sunday I talk about hindrances and healing in general. We'll come back. Next time I go a completely different direction. Uh, negative emotions, misuse of the body. We talked about last week misuse of the body uh, re- diet with respect to diet, um, rest, overwork, and exercise. Oh, boy. So it comes sometimes get, gets quiet when you talk about some of these things, right? So uh, anyway, uh, we talked about that last week. If you weren't here, listen. Go back on the website. Listen to it. Today, there are two more Uh, healing hindrances, roadblocks to healing, unforgiveness and disobedience. And I want to talk about those today and get right into it. Unforgiveness will keep you from receiving healing. We're commanded by, by God to forgive anybody who offends us, hurts us, wounds us, whatever adjective you want to use, right? You, you got you to gotta forgive them. Uh, many times I, over the years I've been in ministry. This is my 40th year in ministry. Started in 1981 and um, <clears throat> in ministry. And um, I don't know how many times I've laid hands on people. And as I laid hands on them, I knew intuitively this is not going to work right. And I knew intuitively this person has an offense. And many times I've cut the mic off and I've gently said, uh, there is someone in your life that has hurt you. You're still really upset about it. Yes or no. And, you know, I could miss it if they say no. I'll say, okay, I had too much uh, spaghetti last night, whatever. But uh, I'm just, uh, so, uh, but most of the time, most every time they say, yeah. yeah. So I have somebody take them off, show them how to forgive, find out what it is, and and help them release the forgiveness needed towards the person that has offended them. I I, I talked about this in 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 a bit of a way when I talked about negative emotions. If you've had hurtful experiences in your life with respect to relationships, any kind of family, uh, um, kin, uh, uh, church life, friendships, lovers, whatever, you got to get rid of that stuff. Don't carry it like a, in a knapsack on your bag and, and let it weight you down in life. 
So we talked about that in detail the first time we talked about healing hindrances. I think it was June 27th. Go back. Also, I, I said that because we have this uh, small group called Cleansing Stream. Everybody say Cleansing Stream. You can go online and sign up for that. And, you know, if you're just having a hard time with relationships, how do you know? You have cyclical issues. They come up. You get close to somebody, and this starts happening, and that starts happening. You get to angst, and you get to feeling awkward about it, and you sabotage yourself, sabotage the relationship. Uh, many people go from job to job, from church to church, from, you know, relationship to relationship, and they wonder why. Can't keep friends, can't keep close friends, and... You know, boyfriend, girlfriend, even marriages, one to the next. Why? Sometimes there are uh, negative emotions involved in their life. Cleansing stream will help with that. It goes through the gamut of your entire life and sets you free from the thoughts and the conditions that that you have have, uh, influenced you and hindered you. And it's an awesome, awesome course. So, Cleansing Stream, it's a nationwide ministry, actually, the very end. They, they actually have a big team come, and they'll come to our building and just minister life. It's going to be really exciting. Sign up. If you need that, just get on our website. It's there. Is that okay? So let's talk about unforgiveness. Uh, so Mark eleven twenty five, Amplified New Testament. This is my favorite, favorite scripture about forgiveness. Jesus said, after he talked about faith, commanding the mountain to be removed, be cast into the sea, and then believe you receive, and you'll have verse 25. He says, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. And I love this next part because it really helps me. Let it drop. Leave it. Let it go. You ever been around somebody that wouldn't let it drop? <laughs> See, I don't, you know what I'm talking about, right? They bring it up, well, you know, well, you know, the wife won't let it drop. Or maybe husband or wife won't let it drop. You've got to let things go, friend, right? Leave it. See, that's fairly clear. Leave it, that means it's not with you anymore, right? Let it go. It's not with you. You're not holding on. In order that your Father who is in heaven also may forgive you your own failing shortcomings and let them drop again it creates inward uh, peace when we let things go there's a lot of tension created when we hold on to things that people have done Um, Ephesians 4 is really clear I love this I have meditated on these two verses a lot particularly when I was a young believer I would meditate on these two scriptures and weep and I couldn't figure out why because I was doing most of these things I figured out why later so like well God I'm involved in these things I got stopped This is so clear. This is New Living Translation, Ephesians 4.31. Get rid of all bitterness. You know, bitterness is is, is when you have just a a really bad attitude towards somebody and everything you say towards them has a slant. Have you ever been treated that way? Have you ever treated others that way? Don't answer. Get rid of all bitterness. I used to be that way. Rage. Anger. Rage is when you start shouting. It's like what happens now on Facebook, Okay. People rage and rant and say things that, you know, they really ought not, really not, they shouldn't say. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. That is saying things about people that you wouldn't say to their face. You're slandering their character behind their back. As well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, verse 32, be kind to each other. Tender-hearted. Man, that's good, isn't it? Are you t- ask yourself, am I tender-hearted? 
Or am I just, do I just bow up at everything people say? Are you tender? Do you love people? Do you believe the worst? Or you, do you believe the best of others? I, I have to tell you, when I first came to Jesus, I would look for flaws. I would look for f- faults. I would look for the wrong things people were doing because I didn't feel good about me. I didn't want to feel good about anybody else, so I lowered them to my feeling about myself. How many know that hurts? And it'll hurt you. And I was that way. And so I would read these things. And when I got to that thing, tenderhearted, I I remember being in my bedroom. I'm 18 years old. I'm crying. God, what's wrong with me? Why am I crying? Uh, And and I was crying because I was hard-hearted. People hurt me. And I was looking for ways to get even when I met new people. It was a terrible thing. But you know why? As I wept, God healed me. God helped me. He helped my heart, my hard heart become tender. He'll do that for you too. How many know it? Then he says, forgiving one another. And then there's a qualifier for forgiving one another. Watch this. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. That is, we are to forgive others just as God through Christ has forgiven us. Right? So question, that obvious, the obvious question is, well then, how did God through Christ forgive us? If we can know really simply and concisely how God forgave us, it shows us, how to forgive others, right? That is, what steps to take. And then also what it looks like. So we forgive others the way God forgives us. God does three things when he forgives you. When God forgives you, number one, he says, I'm not going to bring that up to you again. So a telltale sign you haven't forgiven or somebody hasn't forgiven you, it comes out of the mouth all the time. Or they, uh, Right? So if you've forgiven someone, you don't bring, you know, you've, you've done that 150 times. And you do that all the time. When are you going to stop doing that? Well, when are you going to forgive? See, it works both ways. This, the door swings on both sides of the hinge. Uh, God says, number one, he will not bring things up to you again. That's one cool thing about God. Their sins and lawless deeds, I will remember no more. I even, I am he. Isaiah 43, 25, who blots out your transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember your sins. Y'all, I ride that like a horse. (laughs) Are you glad? Because I have been a bad boy. (laughs) And still, I still do some things. I, I, you know, say some things. I was like, what in the world's wrong with me? God forgive me. Aren't you glad he forgets? What if every time you went to pray, he said, God, you could hear him say, like, what you doing talking to me? Remember what you did yesterday? Aren't you glad he's not that way? Second thing God says, I won't tell it to others. He won't tell all your stuff to your friends. Is that good news? Real quickly, as a young uh, uh, Bible college student, in fact, um, this was like, I can remember distinctly, 1977, we had a prophet come to town. He went to a neutral location in town, I think the, the uh, local, um, uh, the local uh, college, anyway, auditorium, and uh, so he was sitting, he was preaching, you know, and, and he had a big, you know. In fact, uh, at any rate, this guy was well known for just being able to read your mail and just everything that's going on in your life. He'd just look at you and read you like a book, and well, all of us had the heebie-jeebies about going to see him, so to speak, and just like, man, I don't know if I won't go to that meeting. He's gonna find out all about me and tell everybody else. And when we found, when I found out, it's like. 
Well, God don't tell you stuff if you confess it to him. When, when you ask him to forgive you, he does. And he don't tell other people. He's not. So I, saw, I thought, well, he's not going to tell that prophet. So, boy, we're on our knees. All of us Bible school boys, we're on our face. Oh, God, forgive me for this, 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 this. Because God doesn't tell others. He won't tell that prophet man. Right? God won't tell others. Thirdly, thirdly, and it's a kind of kind of playing again on point one, he forgets what you did. I started a church in a small city in South Carolina in 1988. And I don't, I've told this story, but I'm telling you, it really impacted my life. I said, I don't know what I said. I don't even remember what I said. I just know it shamed me so badly that I left that meeting on Sunday morning going, oh, God, how stupid am I? You know, I got foot and mouth disease. Opened my mouth and stuck my foot right in, and I can't get my foot out my mouth. And I felt so low and so bad, and I shamed myself so much. And I was just belly aching about it for the third or fourth day after that through the rest of the next week, you know. And I'll never forget, I was praying one morning. I said, God, you know, I'm so stupid. What's well, I'm so stupid. You, ever, you know, number one, don't talk about yourself. Did you know if you talk badly about yourself, you're talking about somebody God created in his image that Jesus redeemed and that put his gifts and spirit in? Don't talk badly about yourself. I used to call myself names. You old dirtbag, you old stupid. Stop doing that. You know, you're a child of God. You're redeemed by the blood of Jesus. You're forgiven. You've been made the righteousness of God in him, right? But I was sitting there belly aching about that, and I heard the Lord say just inside me, the Holy Spirit just inside, what are you talking about? Well, I said, well, you know what I did? Don't you remember what I said, and I told him what I said? I said, so-and-so, and, and people looked at me like, you know, like my dog does when I play my harmonica. Turns his head. What in the world? What in the world? You know? And y'all, I'll never, I mean, it made me weep. It makes me weep now. It's like I heard him inside. Mitch, Mitch, I don't remember what you did. I said, Mitch. It was such a tender thing. You know, God has a tender heart for you. You know, he loves you. If anybody's for you, it's your Father God. He loves you more than your mama, your daddy, your spouse, or your children or grandchildren. You know what? He's made a plan for you to make it. When you mess up, when you fess up, when you mess up, he forgets. Is that good? God forgives that way. He doesn't bring it up to you again, doesn't tell others, and he forgets what you did. So three steps to forgiving. When you, when you forgive someone, go to God, tell him exactly what the person said, what the person did that hurt you, offended you, made you feel bad. Just tell him. Just tell him. Tell him how it made you feel. And then make a choice. Forgiveness is not a feeling, it's a choice. It's a spiritual thing. Forgiveness, first of all, is a spiritual thing. You say, God... Now, I'm upset. I don't even want to be around that person. I, in fact, if they're in the grocery store, I'll leave. I'll, or I'll walk to the egg where the eggs are. They're always at the very back corner. Or the milk, right? I'm not being around them. Oh, no, when you forgive, you tell God what, what they did and say, Lord, by faith, I forgive them. They no longer owe me anything for what they did. That doesn't mean what they did was right. It might have been stupid and wrong, and you know it, and everybody else does. But you've got to let it go. When I forgive, I cut the tentacles of what they did off of my life. 
And it no longer affects my current relationships and my relationship with the Lord, right? So when I forgive, I, I tell God what it is. It's a by faith thing. You still have the feelings of angst and upsetness, of course. But here's the second thing. Secondly, when you forgive, and this is the key, when it comes to mind, instead of thinking about the, what that person did, well, they shouldn't have done it. Well, no, it brings up all those emotions. Instead of thinking about what they did, pray for them. Now, in my notes, I don't have time today to go through it. Ephesians 1, 17 through 23 is a prayer. The Apostle Paul prayed for the church that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory are in the, of His inheritance in the saints. And it goes on and on and on. I pray that for people, you know, and that's, I started doing that for people that I forgive. started praying Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3. For this cause I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for, uh, through whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. And it goes on down to verse 20. And then Colossians 1, 9 through 12, that you'd be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you'd walk worthy, that your life would carry the same weight that, God, that Jesus' life carried. Walk worthy of the Lord and to all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. If you don't know how to pray for people, grab those scripture and pray it for the person you're forgiving. Right? Got it? What does that keep you from doing? Thinking about what they did. Because if you don't put something else in your mind, you will think about what they did. And you will still feel bad towards them. Yes or no? Because thoughts and feelings go hand in hand. Then thirdly, replace the negative thoughts again about with prayer for them. Years ago, I was ministering to someone uh, in my office, this person was a really amazing artist, and uh, I had seen some of this person's artwork, and as I talked to them about this, I, I mentioned a train on a track, and I said, forgiveness is uh, no, e no easier, no harder to understand than understanding a train going down a track, and if you can think of a, the engine of a train, then think about the boxcars, and then years ago, you don't see cabooses, you don't see cabooses, how many remember cabooses at the end of the train? Well, it dates you then because that means you're older. <laughs> they don't have cabooses today. They have a little light, a little red light flashing at the end, maybe a flag. But used to, they'd have a caboose and somebody in it, you know. Nonetheless, you can understand a, a train riding down the track. You can understand forgiveness. So the engine on the train is the act of forgiving. That puts you down that track of forgiveness. You got it? You do it by faith. You don't feel anything. The boxcars on the train... And this lady was an artist. She actually drew me a train. I've got it in my office. She drew me a train, you know, and, and the whole nine yards. It was really kind of cool. And uh, anyway, the boxcars are daily life. Once you forgive, you've got to grunt through every day. Thought association reminds you of part, what the person said or what they did. Or maybe you work with them. Or maybe it's your spouse. Or maybe it's your child. Or maybe it's your friend. Right? You've got to forgive them so something reminds you every time. Every time that you're reminded of them, instead of thinking and dwelling on what they did, pray for them. Do it by faith. Do it on purpose. What are you doing? You're rerouting your thinking. If you reroute your thinking, eventually the caboose shows up. What's in the caboose of the train? It's good feelings about them. One day you'll be able to walk up to that person. How you doing? Well, I'm doing fine. Well, I hope you are. God bless you. Good to see you. And before, you just like to rearrange their nose. See, the feelings don't uh, change immediately, but as you act on God's Word, how many know they will? See, 
We forgive the way God forgave us. He doesn't bring it up to us. He doesn't tell others. He forgets it himself. We can't. We don't have the ability to erase memory thoughts. They're there. God has the ability not to remember what you did. That's, that's a supernatural act. You have memory cells in your brain. They don't forget a lot of things, you know. And so, again, if you do those things, I'm telling you, it'll work. Now, number, no, the second thing, I've got an illustration. I don't have time to get about forgiveness. Number four, the fourth thing um, that is a hindrance to healing is, now this is a tough one, disobedience. Everybody say disobedience. It's a tough one. James 4, 17, therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it to him, it's sin. Or New Living Translation, remember it's a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Hmm. So there's two kinds of sins. There are sins of, of commission. That means things you did you shouldn't have done. And then there's sins of omission. That is things you should have done, shouldn't did, just didn't do it. How many know both of them are wrong? So when you know you do something, you do it on purpose, that's wrong. But when you should have done something and you withheld, that's wrong too. We don't often think about that. So, um, you know, in my prayer life for years and years, I say, God, forgive me for the things I did. And I confess exactly what I did or said or whatever. And you know, he forgives you. Then you also need to go a step further and say, God, I, I should have said that. Or I should have done that, with that for that person. But I didn't do it. To him that knows to do good and does not do it. That's big. So, you know, you're out in, you're out in the, uh, let's get real here. So, so you're out and you just bought groceries or you're at Target or Walmart or somewhere and you got the buggy and you think, I'm too hot, it's too hot. And, and the place over there where you keep the buggies, where they keep the buggies, you know, it's about 30 steps away. You think, I think I'll just leave that right here. Uh, uh, uh. How many have had the Holy Spirit say, uh-uh, you get your butt right over there and you put that right in the place, right? So that's a, you know, that's a small illustration, but you get the idea, right? Yeah, to him that knows to do good. Isaiah 1, 19 to 20. If you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword. The mouth of the Lord has spoken it. That's a really strong word. Uh, willing and obedient. You know, sometimes God will ask you to do something. It's not that he wants you to do it necessarily, but are you willing to do it? You know, you can do something and not be willing to do it, and you can get in trouble. Hear what I said? You know, there is the prayer when I teach on prayer, the prayer of consecration. Paul, uh, Jesus prayed it in the Garden of Gethsemane. Lord, if it's your will, let this cup of suffering he was talking about pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Not my will, your will be done. Question, when's the last time you prayed that? I mean, Really? You tool through life just doing your thing. And in American culture, American culture is all about me, mine, mine. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going I'm to act like I want to act. I'm going to live where I want to live. And you shut your mouth. And the will of God is not my will, your will be done. Used to be in church when I was a little boy, we'd have consecration meetings. We'd come down at the altar. Pastor would say, Baptist. Consecrate you all. The altar of sacrifice. My goodness, we need to do that today, don't we? So when's the last time you say, God, if there's something you'd rather be doing, me doing, rather me be doing than what I'm doing now, open it up, work it out, talk to me, speak to me, put it inside of me. You know, I'm in ministry. I wanted to be a business person and make a lot of money. That was my goal as a kid. 
I had a fork in the road in February of 1977. I had a choice to make. I had a dream. I had a career presented to me that would have been very lucrative. I'd have made plenty of money, raised my family. And I got born again filled with the Holy Spirit. God called me to preach. I saw a fork, literally. I, I was, in fact, where I lived, there was a dirt road. I lived down a dirt road as a boy. And right past my house, that dirt road had two, a fork to it, one going left and one going right. And there was a tree in the middle. I saw that in my mind's eye. God gave me a choice. What are you going to do? There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You be willing and obedient, you eat the good of the land. If you refuse and rebel. And I had that lucrative offer of a job, a business thing. And I would have done well, I think. But God said, I'd rather you preach. I'm afraid of people. Be not afraid of their faces. I'll show you what to say. If I'd have took that left fork, which would have been what I wanted, I don't even think I'd be on earth today. I think I'd be dead. I'm not kidding. What about you? Are you in the will of God? You know, if you're not in the will of God, uh, the best illustration I've ever heard is Kenneth Hagin. When I was at Rama 40 years ago, he said, if you're not in the will of God, it's kind of like taking a shower with your socks on. It just doesn't feel right. You get it? Something's not right. Looks like you, everything's going okay, but you just don't feel right about it. And I've been that way several times. I've been out of the will of God. I've been in the will of God. How many know in the will of God is better? You know, uh, Kenneth Hagin gave an illustration again when I lived in Tulsa those eight years, and I heard him tell this story many times. He said he went to a hospital. Here's a lady in her late 50s, and she's laying on the bed not doing well physically, about to die. And the pastor invited him to come along with him and lay hands on her and pray for her. He was visiting the church ministry. He said he walked up to the hospital and went to lay hands on the lady, and every time he went to lay his hands on her and say, Father, heal, he felt like something was taking his hand and moving it back. And he said, and, and just to form the word heal with his mouth, he's having a hard time saying, Lord, and he just has this such hesitation to say the word heal. And he did that several times. Finally, he said, ma'am, is there something I need to know? He said, when I go to pray for you, when I go to pray for you, I'm just having a hard time laying my hands on you and, and asking God to heal you. There's something I need to know. And she broke down and began to cry. And here's what she told uh, Kenneth Hagin. And the pastor said, God called me. I mean, with pathos in her voice, God called me when I was 13 years old as a missionary. And here's what she said. A missionary came to visit our church. And, you know, they always brought their wares and talked about the nation they're in and such. And she said, but while that missionary was there, God called me and, and told me he wanted me to be a missionary. And he wanted me to give my life in service to him in another country. And she said, I didn't want to do that. She said, she said I just wanted a family. I just wanted to get married. I wanted to I, I raise my ch- get married, have children, raise my children, and just have a nice, nice home life. She said, you know, I married a wonderful man, but she said, you know what? I've never been healthy. She said, my health broke, and I've never been able to regain my health all these years. And that scripture came up. You be willing and obedient, you eat the good of the land. If you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword. Could it be that many people have a hard time 
physically because, number one, they're not obeying God with their life. See, it's sober when you talk about this. This kind of hits home for all of us. You need to make sure you're in the will of God. That doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean if you're chronically sick that this is your problem, but you need to check it out. I mean, to hear what I'm saying. Check it out. See, unrepentant sin. See, it's sin to know what to do and not to do it, right? It's sin not to be willing and not to be obedient when God's asking you to do something. As a young man, I can tell you, I asked God, I said, Lord, I'm willing to do anything you want me to do. I'm willing to go anywhere you want me to go. I'm willing to pay any price you want me to pay. I'm willing to do what you want me to do. And when he called me to preach, I said, okay, I'm willing to do it. And I'm really glad I heard these things because it's affected my life. I've uprooted my family, Susan and I. We've uprooted our family. We've got four children. They're all grown, uh, married, grandchildren now. But it's not easy to obey God all the time. How many hear me? And listen, there's a price to pay in the initial stages of obeying God. You've got to be willing to suffer sometimes and let it just be hard. Listen, I've started churches. I've been on staff at churches. I've done things when I came here. Oh, my goodness. I just can't tell you the challenges we faced. But I'm going to tell you, it doesn't cost. It pays to obey God. It'll cost if you don't obey God. So in the initial stages, yeah, yeah, there might be, um, there might be a challenge. There might be a, there might be a cost. But you know, in the end, God, pay, God's payday is amazing. Did you hear me? It doesn't. It's not only in this life, but it's also in the life to come. Jesus said, "There's no man that has left houses, family, things, and listed several things." It will not be rewarded in this life a hundredfold with persecutions. I don't know about you. I haven't prayed that prayer in a while. I encourage you to do it. Consecrate yourself. This is something you do alone. God, if there's anything I need to be doing, help me to do it. How many hear me? See, if, if, see, if you don't do that, how can, if you're not walking in God's will for your life, how can you expect his best? How can you expect his best in health? If you're not willing to give him your best, right? Really something to think about. Now, here's some people thinking, I'm just about done. Some people have this thing. Well, if I don't get too close to the Lord, he won't speak to me. And then, (laughs) yeah, right. And then I won't be responsible if he won't, because I didn't know. No, you're responsible, dude. Come on, give me a break. When you get to heaven, watch this. And you stand before the reward seat of Christ. You know what he's going to reward you for? Obeying what he called you to do. If I wasn't called to do what I'm doing, preaching and all that, and did it anyhow, he's going going to judge me according to what I'm called to do, not according to what I did do. You don't get off the hook by just playing aloof. And just walking away from the Lord and not getting really seeking his face. No, that's just as bad, y'all. Right? I never forget this story. Uh, Kenneth Hagin again told this. I listened to his tapes a lot before I ever moved to Tulsa in the late 70s. And he says a lot, he would always tell all kinds of stories when he preached. And he would mention scripture and tell stories. But he had one man, he said, uh, that he knew. And um, seemed like the guy was in his family, but... Uh, 
The guy would just never walk well. He got saved when he was young, but he just always, he was always away from God. I mean, he'd get into adultery and get into fornication and get into all kinds of sin and just do wrong and come back to the Lord and then, re- and, and then get back involved in it again and hit drink and this and that and the other. And he was just always messing up. And, he, and, and, and Kenneth Hagin said, you know, the guy never lived right two weeks of his life. You met people like that, right? Maybe you struggle. You know, if you struggle, ask God to help you. Right? But he said, um, he went to pray for this guy. He was praying for him. The guy fell ill, really ill. He was older now. I don't know how older, but uh, older. I don't even know what older is now because I'm older. I don't know. How how does that work? Anyway, the guy was older up in age a little bit. And uh, he said he was was praying for him. And he said, God, I want to ask you to heal. He said, God, and he said, the Lord spoke to him and said, you know, it's just not my, I, I, you know, sure, it'd be good, but, but it'd be better for him to go on to heaven. He's, he's, and I never forgot this. He said, he said, the Lord said to him, this man, he's got all of his, he's got all of his things in order. His, fa- his finances are in order. All of his family relationships are in order. He's in fellowship with me. He's doing well. And he hasn't lived right for all these years. And finally, he's right. Let him come on home. Wow. That make you think? Huh? You know, sometimes God's doing somebody a favor to let them come home. If they finally get their ducks in a row. Does this deal with you? Does what I'm talking about mess with you a little bit? You know, if you be willing and obedient, you eat the good. So question as we close, are, are you willing? Are you obedient to God? Are you doing what he called you to do in life? You know, let me just say this. If you're called of God in full-time Christian service, I'm telling you, you can't get away from it. It will, it will hound you every day, every day, every day. It never leaves. It never ceases. Never stops. Beyond that, God's called all of us to walk with him and live for him. How many hear me? He's called you to walk in his will. He's not called you to walk in the flesh. He's not called you to get into sin with the rest of the culture and say it's okay. He's called you to walk with him. He's called you to be salt. He's called you to be light. He's called you to be obedient. If any areas of disobedience cry out. The last thing I want to mention and we're done is uh, develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You want to walk in health. He knows you. And you know, he doesn't bring attention to himself. There's nothing in Scripture that says you're to praise the Holy Spirit. No, the Holy Spirit always leads you to magnify Jesus and God the Father. He's always silent about himself. But I have so appreciated his ministry. And I've told him many times, thank you, sir. Thank you for living inside of me and getting me out of the ditch. And helping my attitude. and Helping me when I make mistakes and failures. And showing me a way out and a way of escape. Because that's what his job is, right? He's the spirit of truth. And when you get to dealing in untruth, he'll mess with you if you're a believer. If you can lie and it doesn't bother you, you don't know him. He's the spirit of truth. How many hear me? The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, Romans 8, 11, lives in you and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he'll give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Philip's translation, the last part of that, he says, he will by the same spirit bring your whole being new strength and vitality. Uh, message paraphrase says this, um, 
Oh, this is so good to read the whole thing. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does, as surely as he did in Jesus, you will be delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ's. Isn't that awesome? There is a quickening. Years ago when I started jogging in my early 20s, you know, I was jogging one day and you kind of, so to speak, hit the wall. I was going five miles that day. And I was hoofing pretty strong. And I got about, I don't know, three miles into it. And I was just feeling rough. You know, some days are better than others when you exercise. I was just feeling rough. But you know what I was doing? I, was med- I always got a scripture and meditated and let it go over and over in my mind. And y'all, I'm not kidding. First time in my life, I mean, I, it's, it's the early 80s. I'm jogging, I'm hoofing. And I'm meditating on that scripture. And y'all, y'all, I felt like Elijah run, running, running from Jezebel. He outrun her chariot. And y'all, the Spirit of God came on me and I ran. And I ran hard and strong. And I felt the Holy Ghost rise up. I said, this is, must be the way Elijah felt. Whoa! And what I found out, if you'll pray and seek God, you'll get that anointing on you and it will quicken your physical body. Is that good? Whoo! God's got life and health and vitality and wholeness for all of us. But you've got to pay the price of walking in the known will of God. You can't go do your thing and you know it's wrong and expect God's blessings and best. Got to consecrate and dedicate.